If you are hearing this at some point in the future, this may be an illegal transmission. You have been warned and made complicit. But you know that. We have all been made complicit. Let this stand as a message from the past. Welcome back to the Earth Hotel. This episode of the Earth Hotel is sponsored by our own Endzone record label, In Lobby Sounds, and our debut supersonic group on that label, Autopilot. Their eponymous LP can be heard and downloaded at our website, theearthhotel.org slash inlobbysounds. It's a truly intriguing collection of hip lo-fi electronic takes interposed with mind-altering deconstructions of classical sounds, jazz motifs, scuzz rock flailing, and spirited improvisation. These lads recorded the 14 tracks over a year's time with iPhones and handheld recorders and just about everything they could lay their hands on and make sound with. And in this humble operator's opinion, it's a masterpiece of its kind. The album is packaged as a useful paintbrush dipped in day-glow colors to match the album art, which was a collaborative construction by the members of the band. Each brush comes stamped with the autopilot name and download code for the album and accompanying film also made by all of the members, so you can leave the plastic CD film right out of here. These brushes are available at our friendly Birmingham record stores, Renaissance, Charlemagne, and Seasick, as well as Sanctum Tattoos and Comics and the Dive Bar in Montevallo. We hope you'll give the music a silky evening listen sometime and enjoy the visual treats prepared for the sound by the fair magicians in Autopilot. You can hear it at the website, and you can pick it up at those places and also order it online in the hotel store. But if you're ordering from the greater Birmingham area, we will send a special Earth Hotel courier over to you free of charge. Those paintbrushes are $8.88 and can be used, washed, and reused for any art project that you might be dreaming up at the moment or a future time. We hope that's the way you use them. Here is your previously prescribed episode of the Earth Hotel podcast, your committed source for art propaganda and miscommunications in the Southeast United States and the world beyond. guest this week is a musical man from deep in the land whose recent record gives me inspiration rife with wry willing and sudden leaps of confidence. He is, of course, Tony Hernandez of the band Rolo, here with his first solo release, deviously titled Pimp Ice. He's been a friendly face to be relied on during my time around the soft rock bungalow and the other outer reaches of Birmingham's music venue web. My first impressions only proved correct. Tony has been so encouraging of myself and many other creative people with whom he's come in contact always quick to show grace and hold focus on the people around him, and to recommend new music that interested us both, to take time to ask questions and listen. Our interview was warm and thoughtful, the day outside swarming and sly. When we sat down, my intention was to learn more about my friend's new work. As is to be expected by now, I ended up finding out 
a lot more about myself in the process. We'll touch on that later in the operator's corner, but more immediately I would like to take you to the news desk for an update from the outside. What are they saying, Johnny? each other now You own your favorite sleeping, working her That's her Envious great season hopes now How, how Large each other now Her sparrows were just like what could be happening here just a nade life, property, diner, dinner, only stew. I felt the sun and felt away to magnificently pay attention to the old fallen complainer landlord who Desolate thinking just made Find a way to outpower the ignorant Wife and brother Attentive to each other So have hope and you say You're an ever our mother You ever an our mother Thank you. Forever grateful for our muses over at the NSAID news station. To support the work we're doing, head over to the website and find our Support the Structure page. You may donate there of your life energy or dollars. Dollars are very helpful. Keep your own life energy. And we deeply appreciate you for doing that or for being here at all. And that is all. We have currently a surplus of many thanks also to you for being here with us, so we will be delivering those via the Astral Projection Service, available to all taxpayers. Already we're finding and reaping the benefits of being more involved in local government. This operation is supported by Bizarre Hope and Obscure Forces and remote viewers like you. Thank you. As we strive to learn more about ourselves and the coming strangeness perpetually on the horizon and beneath our beds, let me take you to our first instructional piece by Tony Hernandez. As he states, he's here to entertain, to poke fun, to make laughs, to feel goods. Merci beaucoup for that. Here is a musical allegory about self-acceptance I could sample up.
A moment from the operator's desk with the abstract beast and room 18B-4. Hey, we're here at the operator's desk with a special segment called Interview an Occupant. Now, this unknown and abstract sub-creature with us has been pretty comfortably situated on the fourth floor in Zone B for a long time, so long that we just kind of know to leave him alone. But today, for some reason, it showed up in the lobby feeling particularly chatty, so I had to take the chance to get a few words for the record. So let's get started. Good evening, esteemed creature. Fantastic. Well, I'm so glad you stopped by to talk with me. Uh, I have a few questions from our curious listeners. Do you have some time to answer them? Great. I, that's, I think that's great. Uh, for something that shouldn't exist in any dimension, you look absolutely real to me. I, I think that's amazing. Uh, so our first... Oh, thank you. Uh, so our first question comes from North Carolina. Katie asks, if you had to do this week over again, what would you do differently? You know, I had a similar experience recently. Uh, I know my big struggle right now is finding regular ways to strengthen my body, uh, my, my physical form, and build my attention span up. And that's so interesting that a tiny mistake like that could come so close to compromising your own temporal stability. It's, wow. We are strong creatures, but we've got many weaknesses. So next, uh, from Sunnyvale, California, James asks, esteemed creator slug of nightmares, Yodora Wixit, we implore you in this time of, uh, I, think, I think that might be a business message. Let's go in for our next question. Blake from Australia writes, if you had to be an inanimate object for a year, what would it be and why? Oh, no, no, I'm so, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm so sorry. Uh, that's a, I think that's a bit personal, folks. Um, I've, I may not have mentioned before that our dear guest is only able to be mobile in a physical form once every year for about a month at a time, so this question hits a little close to home. I'm very sorry, my friend. Let me find a good question. Uh, these these are supposed to be screened beforehand. Uh, here we go. Chip from Dalston, Texas asks, Mr. Slug, if you are a mister, uh, what was the best idea you ever had, and did you follow through with it? That's inspiring. I don't know how you stayed so optimistic, but I'm very glad you're still around. Uh, our friend, did our brother James get your name right? I've never heard it before. Yeah, Yador Wixit. Yador Wixit. Well, that's all the time we have at the operator desk tonight. Please excuse me while I contain the situation. Back to you, Jackie. take a moment to invite you to the grand opening of In Lobby Sounds on September 14th at the Clubhouse on Highland in Birmingham. Starting at 5 o'clock, the Clubhouse will serve as a common portal to the Earth Hotel, the second manifestation of the dream space in what can absolutely be considered a public ritual. Our staff of abstract waiters and eldritch bellhops are eager to assist you in finding a proper place to call your own inside. Our confrere Bob McKenna from episode 51 is doing us the great courtesy of hosting the event at the Clubhouse which will feature live performances by the esteemed members of the label, 
the bill is, and in not any particular order of performance. Frozen Yogurt. Myself. Carson Goodman. Calliope Pettis. Sex Camel. The Dizzy. POTUS. Rumi Kallenbach. And William Wallace as Trees on the Moon. Unfortunately, Carl Jr. is unavailable on that date, so we'll be playing an excerpt of some of his material. Also the band Oyster Guard from out in California with our friend Joel Nelson, who is yet to be announced on the label, but they are the 13th members, uh, the 13th artists signed. We are also going to play an excerpt of their work, since they cannot be in attendance. Uh, the Dizzy will be making their disco debut uh, once again. It will be myself, Jordan Rickerson, and potentially some other players uh, that we're really hoping to be working with. Frozen Yogurt's record just got recorded last week uh, in the In Lobby Sound studio, as it is. I've been mixing it down and finding just this amazing gold in the two hours of recording that we did, and we're honing it and bringing out the best moments and trying to put together this flowing set of... It's hard to describe. It's keyboard and guitar and bass and some objects, but what they do with the sound is extraordinary. Uh, it's ambient music, but it's more immediate than that. It's new sound, and it's incredibly interesting. And has a lot to say without having any words at all. I'm excited to bring it to you, and they'll be performing it live. Each act will happen in sequence throughout the house, with the talent showing their finest for about 20 minutes at a time. Recordings will be available for most of our artists for purchase, and free sampler CDs with music from all of them will be abundant for your absconding. But we will have a catered bar from some special guests with custom drinks crafted according to plans found tucked away in the Astral Lounge. There's much ado to be derailed. <clears throat> There's much ado to be detailed to you. There's much ado to be detailed to you at a time closer to the time. But for now, kindly reference our event page on the website, which links to your relevant social media outlets. It has taken a heap of gumption that I might not be able to back up, and some reckless brainstorming to put this label in motion, and we applaud you for your outstanding generosity in lending us your ears. As this happens, attention is a high commodity these days. It seems only fitting that now, on our way firmly toward the interview, that we that we peek inside a stray door to hear more from Mr. Hernandez, a track called Metal Perfect. Excuse me. That's, that's a poor choice. Uh, here, here we are. This is where it's coming from. Thank you. 
points advice to students. A poet is somebody who feels and who expresses his feeling through words. This may sound easy. It isn't. A lot of people think or believe or know they feel, but that's thinking or believing or knowing, not feeling. And poetry is feeling, not knowing or believing or thinking. Almost anybody can learn to think or believe or know but not a single human being can be taught to feel. Why? Because whenever you think or you believe or you know, you're a lot of other people. But the moment you feel, you're nobody but yourself. To be nobody but yourself in a world which is doing its best night and day to make you everybody else means to fight the hardest battle which any human being can fight and never stop fighting. As for expressing nobody but yourself in words, that means working just a little harder than anybody who isn't a poet can possibly imagine. Why? Because nothing is quite as easy as using words like somebody else. We all of us do exactly this nearly all of the time. And whenever we do it, we're not poets. If at the end of your first 10 or 15 years of fighting and working and feeling, you find you've written one line of one poem, you'll be very lucky indeed. And so my advice to all young people who wish to become poets is, do something easy, like learning to blow up the world, unless you're not only willing but glad to feel and work and fight till you die. Does this sound dismal? It isn't. It's the most wonderful life on earth, or so I feel. Driving me crazy, I'm bigger than I. You can do my makeup, baby.
So let's start there. Your music is a what I see as a very comfortable gymnasium. Yeah, I would say so. With big windows, you know, and you stroll along through it. It's a really languid, wry, observational jaunt. You're explaining yourself. You're explaining how somebody thinks. A lot of the songs are like, I could do this. This is what I see. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the way things could be. But this is what I'm actually doing. It's very reflective, aware kind of music. But it's all layered in this kind of murky looking at the world go by a few layers in. Yeah. You know, I would record music all the time. And I, uh, I mean, just for fun, you know, I really wanted to make something playful and like interesting and fun, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of the songs are, you know, they're pretty uplifting, kind of like happy yeah. kind of thing, which I know is not very popular. I don't, I don't make a lot of sad songs, you know, I like to keep it fun. I like to, I like to make people happy, make mm-hmm. people laugh, especially, yeah. which is like, uh, but I mean, I also have sad songs too, you know, it's just like a, I like to be, I'm an entertainer, I would say, more yeah. so than anything. You know, not even, I mean, I would, guess I would call myself a musician, but you know, it's more of... That's your path to entertain. Yeah, just to entertain in general. Yeah, it it's it's entertaining and it, it talks to you and it does make you laugh if you're thinking, if you relate to the struggles of a person trying to be person, mm-hmm. it does make you laugh, you know. You, which album is this? This this pimp ice yeah so pimp ice is um it's the debut under my my it's a solo like under my name mm-hmm. so instead of playing as Rolo um I'm just kind of debuting this as Tony Hernandez like my just my full name you mm-hmm. know and I I guess the reason why I did that was to kind of put myself in that direction of like you know me being as a person just recording music on my own kind of thing because with Rolo um it's a band you know it's a collaborative effort. Usually when we're playing live and stuff. I mean, I would record music at home and I had those albums, but I really wanted to have that focus as more of a band because, you know, my band members were like really great when it came. I mean, they they contribute to the song just as much as I do. So mm-hmm. I wanted to have this like separate thing from Rolo and have, you know, my own thing that I'm like, you know, pretty stoked about, you know, yeah. I'm really excited about. Yeah. The decision to stand on your own and have your name be a part of the proceeding, like somebody doesn't have to go find who are these people, you know, it gives you what I think you you deserve is some recognition. Yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, this is gonna sound kind of weird to say, but it's a, it's kind of like writing a, it's like a journal or like a, like writing a book or I know it's, I mean, obviously, it's just a ridiculous album, but it's to me, it's like a kind of like a chapter of my life of like things that I recorded and things I really enjoyed doing that I'm like pretty proud of, you know, 
Yeah. And it's kind of like, I think about it in that regard, if that makes any sense. I mean, it's definitely an album, you know, but just, just because it's coming from me, like from my personal space, it's just that kind of thing, you know? Yeah. It doesn't sound steeped in pretentiousness. It sounds personable and like it's coming from, I mean, it's got your, it's got your face. Oh, it's yeah. got this, I thought of cruise ships or some kind of, I don't know what, what texture you used on the cover here. Um, I, I can, I can give you a rundown on it. Basically, I saw a picture of these ships, these World War I ships, and um, they had this camouflage on them, yeah. which had that like kind of striped black and white kind of thing. And I thought that was just really, really interesting. I had no idea. It was just so bizarre. Like I would never think that anything from that time period would make such a ridiculous camouflage like that. The reason why I did is because you, you couldn't tell what direction the boat was coming from. Yeah. And so like you couldn't tell where to hit it, right? And so it was just kind of used to trick enemy ships. And I thought that was just really cool. And mm-hmm. it's the camouflage is called Razzle Dazzle. <laughs> and it's uh and Razzle Dazzle itself as a term is like to just kind of like impress on, yeah. on nothing or Give kind a of flash. a flash. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I thought that was really, really cool. And with the whole album, I guess the concept, uh, I just like the idea of uh, the cubist kind of idea, mm-hmm. like Picasso's kind of like art, which I guess this is really inspired from, or he claims it's from, yeah. that I really, really huh. liked a lot. And so that's why I kind of destroyed it in the bottom yeah. of the ship. And so, yeah, a ship that's not supposed to be reachable or is supposed to be like difficult to obtain. You know, to destroy, and then I just kind of destroyed down below, and it has a little kind of a cynical picture of me. Yeah, on, on the, and it, you can see a little crack of like maybe my head opening a little bit. You know, it's like very hard to see. I should have made it more obvious, more obvious but yeah. but it's kind of like you know what this is coming out of my head, sort of thing. Oh yeah, I, I see that for sure. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it is funny because it cuts your mustache out, <laughs> yeah. um, and for some reason, it you you could tell you're smiling in it. But for some reason, the mustache takes away something integral. Yeah, exactly. It's a weird. It's a weird picture uh, for my album. Originally, I was just gonna call it songs, and I was gonna have just a picture of me smiling, like you know, at the park, you know, just like I, I had a you know, just like a picture of me smiling, just you know, Tony Hernandez songs, you songs, know, just yeah. a, a very <laughs> genuine, you know, like oh, look at me, like this is I'm I'm a I'm a good genuine guy. Maybe you got your hands in your pockets, but your thumbs out, like yeah. mm. you know, just like hey, what's up, you know. <laughs> And, uh, and then I kind of realized that like, I, it's just so boring. I don't know. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to make something kind of funny. And, um, that's why I decided to change the album to Pimp Eyes. Just, that was, it was, well, it was a, it was a joke between, um, me and one of my friends and he was like, you should call it Pimp Eyes. And we just laugh for like a solid minute. And so every time I do pick up that album and I do look at it, you know, I laugh, you know, I really enjoy the concept. But I'm sure from anyone else's perspective, they're like, this is really intimidating. This is insane, you know, kind of thing. I don't know, man. That smiling, that that grin on the front, that that mouthless grin, I think kind of makes it up. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I enjoy it. Uh, so, Rolo, you had band members and you were writing songs yourself and with the band. Yeah. And just kind of throwing everything on. Um, typically, it was a pretty separate process. So, like, uh, I would write songs. I write make albums by myself. And that we, we had one release with the band and we're still working on the next one. We're like kind of in the process of making our next album. Just to give everybody the brief chronology, how many releases have you done before this as anything? Like where yeah. is this in the line of stuff that you've done overall? 
Yeah, so I um I started recording music in like 2011, and I would just make you know just kind of crappy punk music like in my room, and I was like still experimenting like on how to do it, you mm-hmm. know. And I had friends that uh that helped me out trying to figure out you know how to work programs and stuff so I can be able to make music. And um, I was just really inspired mm-hmm. by some of my friends who, you know, they were like doing it a lot, and I was I just really enjoy I I wanted to check it out and do it. And I really enjoyed recording music. I really enjoyed it a lot. And, uh, so I started recording kind of just messed around until like 2015. I released like an album or two of just, you know, whatever, just kind of me messing around. And then until 2015, I released like a, a compilation of songs, like, you know, 25 songs that I really, really liked. And it was called Rolo Tony that I did that was called Exit that was my first release and it was this huge compilation Mm -hmm. where did Rolo come from my friends like I was huge Tim and Eric fan you know growing up like me and my friends were obsessed we loved Tim and Eric and uh, that Rolo Tony Brown song we really liked a lot you know yeah that's it's funny because when you look up Rolo Tony on if I got to put in music or band camp, you find it that way. Otherwise, you get the Tim and Eric thing. Yeah. If you look up Pimp Ice, unless you put in Pimp Ice music or Tony Hernandez, you get like some pimp, like some like legendary pimp or something. Yeah. Dave Chappelle talked about him in a in a special not too long ago. That's insane. Iceberg Slim. Iceberg oh. Slim. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's a horrifying book. Anyway, we're off topic. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I, I didn't really. I, I just kind of like like the. The whole Rolo Tony thing, I thought it was just kind of, uh, I thought it was kind of cool and decided to just cut it to Rolo. And then in 2016, I would record all, you know, all the time. I would just record all the time. When I'm not at work, I would just record music all the time. And I made like 12 releases, maybe, you know, I made some albums with some friends, some live albums, you know, we would make it the practice space. I would constantly be working on music, you know, mm-hmm. it was kind of at a time where I didn't really have a lot of structure or a lot of discipline on what I was doing. And it was more of a time for me trying to still trying to figure out like how to go about things, you know, salad days, salad days. Exactly. Like we were talking about. Yeah, it's definitely a time where I didn't really know a lot what I was doing. Like I was just kind of having fun with it. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of cool songs, but the way I record them, the way the process was made wasn't necessarily great. It wasn't as great as it could have been. I could have worked harder on a lot of them. You know, and I've kind of gone through, I mean, it just takes experience, you know, like trying to, the more times you do it, the better you get at it and the more you care about it, especially, you know, I mean, I've had albums that I would put up that I worked on for like two months and then I would delete them because I would think it's a little too much or a little too challenging. (laughs) I don't know. But so yeah, it's just been a gradual process. I just, I loved recording music. I loved, I loved doing that. I loved uh, the idea of just being at home and recording music. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're the kind of you're the kind of person that that is the gift of at home music, the, the capability that we have to create music at home and record it, produces people that are a, a, a sweet balm and great to have around like you. Thank because you. Because you're not pretentious and you're not trying to get a bunch of people's attention or cast a glamour over yourself to make make yourself more interesting or whatever. Yeah, you're just doing it because you love it and it connects and it's really goddamn fun and enjoyable. The thing about about recording at home that's kind of weird is that, you know, when you make a band, you know, you want to go on tour, you want to celebrate a release that you're proud of kind of thing. And that aesthetic is really important. You know, if you really want to, like, get somewhere, get some recognition, be a part of a community kind of thing. And with, like, recording at home, it's kind of an outsider thing, you know. It's, yeah. It really is. It's really just more of, you know, 
you're not playing live shows. I mean, I did a few times, but I wasn't, I was in the community for a little while, but, and I really enjoyed all the shows or benefit shows or whatever I was doing, but it's like, uh, it's definitely just kind of like an at home thing, you know, yeah. it's different from being on tour, you know, being in a real band, like putting in that effort to go on tour, you know, it's, it's, it takes a lot out of you, you know, and that's not something that I particularly did with Rolo. Um, it was more of just like, you know, DIY, just a couple of shows every once in a while. Yeah. But I really admire that, that bands go out there and go on tour and stuff. Cause that's the real hard work. You know? Yeah. It really is. Well, you go on the journey yourself and you go to a ton of shows. I see you, I, I don't go to as many as I would like to, but every time I go out, um, if it's something that I think is cool, you're usually there. People on the podcast have heard, I think I figured it out. That kind of encapsulates what I really like about this, the casual reflection and the humor. But you want to start there and talk about some of these songs because I, I could sample up if you could see the road. Like if you could see the road, you wouldn't get stoned. Yeah. I wanted to make, um, I was playing with one of my friends and I made this like dramatic song that was like kind of like a misfit sort of like, you know, like a dancing, you know, and then I decided to make it about like, uh, like not smoking weed kind yeah. of thing. I don't know, just to make it uh, a challenging song about like how you, you know, your better things to do than smoke weed kind of thing. And uh, I, I guess an anti-drug song, which no yeah. one wants to hear. It's really funny though yeah. that it, that it is that. Yeah, it, it doesn't seem like an anti-drug song. Yeah, it's kind of a cynical, just like whatever kind of song. It makes you think. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of these songs make you think about yourself or make me think about myself. That's the thing is they're really a lot of them have to do with just. Yeah, of course, it's very self-reflective mm -hmm. of, you know, of me or whatever I'm going through, whatever I'm thinking, you know, and I'll share it with these songs for sure. Yeah. One of the first songs I heard from you was Healthy Mode. Yeah. It was a couple albums ago. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing, it's like, I'm stating facts. These are my observations. Here's where I am. Here's where I could go. And, I mean, it's they're all kind of dramatically beautiful <laughs> yeah. in a funny way. There's story in them. Without telling a, a narrative story, you have, here's here's my character of me, here's what I want, here's where I am, here's what I would have to do to get it, or here's the obstacle in my way. They're all these kind of impasse songs, almost, or a lot of them are. And I love, I sing healthy mode all the time, because yeah. I struggle with all of those things. Yeah. Just got done eating sushi, gotta quit smoking cigarettes. It's harder than heroin. <laughs> gotta give up that stuff again. Yeah. It's really great. What is your, what's your writing process like? Are you, uh, um, I imagine to, you play your instruments a good bit, you know? I mean, um, half the time I'll make the music first mm -hmm. and then I'll add lyrics to it. And other times I would just, you know, play guitar and just, you know, write a song while I'm playing guitar, you know, acoustic or electric. And then I'll kind of add to that. So it's kind of like two different processes. Mm -hmm. What I'm doing after this, I'm probably going to do more of making music first and then doing lyrics, mm -hmm. um, which I think is more of an organic kind of thing more a better structural thing so are you going about it like uh uh do, like do you write things down do you mm -hmm. write uh sheet music or like a, a notated music yeah i well you know the weird thing is with lyrics and stuff is i just kind of like it's a lot of times it's pretty minimal where i just kind of write whatever whatever's on my mind like right. i don't really have like a structural like this is a song kind of thing i'll just kind of like say whatever's on my mind i don't really you critique it to be more or less of whatever you know i don't really have standards like that i just love to like have fun with it you know right. that's just kind of the whole thing about it the whole aesthetic about it is just having fun with it like if you if you write a chord progression do you just get it memorized get it down have it recorded and then it's there what's the physical process like out um, of your head 
Yeah, typically, I mean, when it comes to writing the music, I, you know, I would just be in front of the computer and I would just press record, you know, and I would try to make cohesive structure to it. Mm-hmm. Whatever sounds good or whatever I'm enjoying, I just mm-hmm. kind of just do it. So you're just, you're like improvising takes and you record one, I'll record another one. They get better each time. Yeah. You know, okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean, I definitely do that. Um, with vocals, it's a different story. Like with vocals, it's really hard for me to try to do a perfect take and stuff like that. Um, I'd like have trouble. Usually I, I'm pretty content with the, you know, first or second take when it comes to vocals. And anytime that I try to put more work into perfecting it, yeah. it usually sounds worse. Yeah. Well, I guess by that point, you're not trying to find what you're going to do. Yeah. Like if you're starting with the recorder and a guitar. If I think about it too much, it's like I, I can't, I, I get lost in the process and I mm-hmm. get kind of, it's weird. Yeah. It, it depends too. Like I'm always, I mean, it's kind of, I'm all over the place when it comes to the way that I like make music. Like sometimes I'll, it's not like a, sometimes it'll be a kind of a structural process, sometimes not. Um, that's why I just love having that freedom to kind of do whatever. So, yeah. there's, so there's a lot of, that's why there's so much variety on this album of like different kinds of songs, you know? Yeah. I really like that. Yeah, that that says a lot because you're, whatever's available, whatever works best for what you're trying to do, I think that's important. I don't mean to imply that there's like one process or one way. I've been trying to demystify the process of actually writing songs for people who don't or who don't play music. Mm-hmm. Not that there's a myth about it, but how does it come out of your head into a thing? I, I love I love playing with words too. Like, yeah, I like I just love the. Uh, I don't know what it is. Like I want to be in the process of writing the music first and then writing the words, being disciplined in that matter. Cause it usually I'm more, more satisfied with what I'm doing in that kind of regard. I don't know. There's just so many ways of looking at it, you know, yeah. like making, even like just making words first, you know, like writing down lyrics and then putting music to it, yeah. which is insanely difficult, you know, for me, you know, huh. it's hard for me to do that sometimes, but. I mean, all these different kind of processes of, of making music, it's whatever's challenging, you know, it's satisfying to kind of try out and do. Yeah. It's gratifying to me. So what was the most gratifying line you think on uh, on this one? I like, uh, so on Metal Perfect, um, I really like that line. I think I kind of found religion, being careful what to say. Huh. <laughs> I really like that line a lot. Yeah. It's like, a, it's a really playful funny song but i really just like that lyric i wasn't even trying to i just kind of thought about it. i wasn't even you know do you feel that way yeah i mean it was just kind of like uh it's just a funny observation of life you know just yeah. kind of like it's like i stumbled into god somehow yeah but not in a huge yeah well it's kind of like a not think about it in a religious way but more right. of just kind of like a like a solid state kind of like of things that you should do you know solid state religion yeah i don't yeah. know no yeah that's great I had a similar experience about a year ago where I just kind of realized like, oh, I'm looking at the world through a religious perspective mm-hmm. um, because I, I, I found a, I found my morals or I found a set of values that I could live by. Yeah. Like what, what were you religious a year ago or? No, I'm not. I'm not really. I'm, I'm deep into weird. I'm, I'm a fan of the administrative power of the Satanist church. Mm-hmm. So that's fantastic. No, I, I had, I just kind of had a similar casual observation about things like, oh, I'm, I'm acting like there's, I didn't used to treat the world or myself or people like there was meaning mm-hmm. to the world. I didn't yeah. treat the world with meaning. Yeah. It, it's, it's like I, I can see things through some, some kind of meaning, the meaning of the values that I have or uh, 
you can see them now. Yeah, I guess they formed. I guess that was because because one of the things that made me realize all that was uh, listening to most Def's first album. Mm-hmm. There are portions with chants, heartfelt kind of big feeling concepts in that. Uh, Black on Both Sides is the name of the album. But it opens with this kind of monologue. It sounds like a bunch of people in a room going back and forth, sort of talking sort of thing. And he says, uh, like somebody told me the world belongs to those who believe, so I believe. Yes. Is the yeah. line. And it, it took me getting to a place where I could see myself with integrity or with some kind of, I had meaning that I was living out in my life, mm-hmm. where before my life was just chaos and i was you know i was struggling to just hold together as a person so that i could form into something that was worth living out you know Mm -hmm. and i think that's i I think you develop yourself through your music yeah and that's not a given Mm -hmm. that's not something that everybody just that's not just a byproduct of making music you know you have to dig into yourself somehow to go you have to go through a process in yourself you're the integrity of your music. Like, I want to work harder at this. I want to be better at this part. Yeah. That takes you somewhere. It's extremely important to have that mindset of like, of trying to get better, you know, trying to really like be proud of what you're doing and to really, uh, to be satisfied and really enjoy and to always improve. You know, that's just so crucial to yeah. always try to improve and like get better at what you're doing. And that's, that's something that I, you know, in the past for sure, you know, I, I wasn't, I didn't really care as much, you know, I just kind of cared about doing it. But when it came to making this product, I, uh, I thought a lot about that or like products before releases before I definitely wanted to always strive to get better and, you know, try to make a entertaining, like cool piece of music that people can enjoy mm-hmm. you know, or not. You know, I mean, I, the thing is, is ultimately I really enjoyed it. You know, I, I really enjoy doing it. And I thought to myself, you know, why not put it out as a release, you know? And I mean, the, the, it's funny too, because I think a lot of people get intimidated by the fact that someone would make music just for them kind of thing. It intimidates me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's like a, it's just some, it's just a hobby. You know, it's some, it's something that someone does that they're really passionate about and they want to share with the world. And especially when you don't have like a band, you're not doing like a, you know, show thing or whatever. It's just kind of like a fun thing to do. And, um, because that's the thing. It's like if you're doing it by yourself and you're releasing this music, what's the point of releasing it if it's just for you, right? You know? I mean, I guess someone can look at it that way, right? I, I don't – see, I don't know why – that's that's the part that gets me. It's not yeah. that you would just do it for you. That you're, It's not like you got to make a career out of it or something or want something out of it. Yeah. It's that some people just record songs in their basement that no one ever hears. Exactly, yeah. You know, they found a guy in New York – in the fifties that had written tens of thousands of pages that he had illustrated by hand and he had died. Nobody really, his landlord knew him, but that his name was Henry Darger. It's amazing. Like some of the best artists are always unknown kind of in that, in the sense of like, Oh, you discovered this musician that's, yeah. you know, has as much music as like base Dylan's like basement tapes or something. And yeah. It's like, it makes the local hustler look really dumb. The person that is always so desperate to have the attention and, that's all that they are is mm-hmm. that going to bars and my, my metaphor is always, they're always, they're perpetually rubbing their tits on the arm of the bar owner. Yeah. And that's their existence. Yeah. This makes that look so absurd because <laughs> yeah. they're not enjoying what they're doing. Do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. Do it.
funny because you know i think i think about that a lot like think about like oh well what's the point of like making this release like putting money down some people have liked it you know i've really enjoyed it and that's all that matters you know i, I hope that people made a you know had a laugh and they enjoyed it i'm proud of it and i think it's great mm-hmm. you know so and ultimately i'm not you know trying to make a fortune i'm not trying to, i'm not trying to get on the label i mean i don't really you know, if it comes my way, that's great, you know, mm-hmm. and I would definitely put more effort in if that, if that came to be, but typically it's just all for me, you yeah. know, just trying to do it and make people laugh. And, and also it, it's funny too, cause, um, I had some observation. I mean, just thinking about the tape, like it's a very intimidating cover and it's like, it's called pimp ice, you know, so people are going to thinking this, what the hell is this thing? You know? It's very cool on the surface. Yeah. You know, that's kind of the whole aesthetic that I wanted to do with it. I want it to be really interesting. And I, and hopefully some people will think that some people would think, well, this is insane, you know, or it's not genuine or whatever. But I think, I mean, I just, you know, I, I'm just trying to make people laugh and that's what's important. M- you know, make a smirk, make them scratch their head a little bit, you know, and enjoy like a cool product. That's ridiculous. You know, yeah. I love that. You know, I, I think as soon as they hear what you say and the things that you say, it dispels any of that. It doesn't seem cynical and it doesn't seem like phony or put on or contrived. It's just, man, those are good songs. <laughs> yeah. Um, can you explain? I could sample up. I've been thinking about it. What, yeah. what do you mean by that song? Yeah. So uh, that song is really just kind of um, there wasn't a lot of process was just making a like a song about sampling up, you know, different tracks on top of one another and um being called like a couple things or being called something or insecurities of whatever mm-hmm. that I just kind of thought would be so how do those that's what fascinated me was like these things intersect you draw these you take two unrelated theme things and, and draw this great theme between them what does sampling have to do with feeling insecure it was mostly just me sampling up like I'm sampling like just you know sound on top of sound I can record some music today. I could do this, you know, kind of thing. And, uh, you know, and I could call it a couple things, you know, just, it's like, uh, <laughs> it's like whatever I do, I can, I, it'll be perceived in some kind of way or whatever. Yeah. You know, it doesn't matter kind of thing. Like, who cares? Yeah. I don't know. 
just had to have the freedom of just doing whatever. And it was just like a, there wasn't a lot of thought to it. Yeah. And I think that's, it's weird because it's like, you know, a powerful song on the album, but yeah, it comes and that's the, that's the great mystery, man. It's like, it, cause it's hard to write a song about something. Like if you, oh, yeah. if you just sit down and try to write, like, here are my three points that I want to hit with the song. This is what it's about. It's like, it's, it comes out. So usually comes out really corny yes. or on the nose. Yeah. It's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I just like to play with words, you know, from yeah. it. But have any of these things really surprised you? Have you have you learned anything that you didn't expect about life from oh, yeah. from your music? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I think this is kind of a stepping stone to the future, for sure. I mean, and the thing is too, this is gonna be in yeah, <laughs> this is gonna be fun. So What's cool about this really is like you see how it's like the the front cover is like black. It's like everything's black and red and white, which is like crazy, you know, very intense, dark colors, you know, just really, I don't know. I thought, (laughs) (laughs) so, (laughs) uh, you know, I I think that it's, it resembles me looking at the world as a dark place (laughs) kind of thing, like me saying goodbye to that in a way. You know, like to that me, perspective, exactly. Yeah, like me thinking to myself, okay, I don't need to. I don't know. I I just wanted to say that. I don't know. I I really like this that the fact that I put this album out. It's like out, you know, and people like it. People don't like it. It doesn't matter to me. But the fact that it's like a stepping stone. I reflect on it and think, man, I could. I can't wait to to just blow this out of the water for the next one. You know, that's great. You know, just like you know, this album in a year or you know two is gonna not even compare to the new me in like a year or the new whatever make yeah. thing I'm making. You know, yeah. It's always I'm oh I'm just climbing the ladder trying to get better and better. Yeah, and I I I love that that does not make my bullshit detector go off. Like coming from you, that means. That that I I see all the glee and the joy and your you say that because like goddamn it's gonna be so much fun not because you know man the, the next thing I put out it's gonna be ten times better than this DJ Khaled we do best music like it's never like that it's yeah. like oh my god if you only knew how much fun I'm about to have over the next year making this next thing mm-hmm. and that's what I absolutely love about everything you've done <clears throat> being around you being your friend uh, and seeing you out in the world. I remember when we were at David from Witch's Wool, we were at his birthday party and you showed me this really great Japanese music. Mm-hmm. Sadistic Micah Band. That's what it was called. That yeah. Japanese band. Yeah. Sadistic Micah Band. <laughs> They're a Japanese super group. One of the, it's one of the, it's known as one of the greatest underground Japanese super groups of all time. Yes. And uh, it's amazing. They have one album on YouTube and like a few tracks from their first one called Black Ship that I like you know, admire. It's like one, it's one of those beautiful, I mean, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Yeah. That's, uh, that meant a lot. Uh, you know, I've seen you at the soft rock and I've seen you out places and you're always super supportive of what I'm doing. And we, we talked before we got on the podcast cause, uh, we came in and I was getting set up and you just asked the best questions and you were so interested in what I'm doing, mm-hmm. uh, or, or have the, have the wherewithal to put the ball in my court and, and be interested. And that's, uh, that's really amazing. I think more people could, uh, I don't know, here I am throwing meaning and saying things about you or telling you what you are or whatever, and I probably shouldn't do that. But I think the through line for all this music is that there's progression and that like this is healthy music. Mm-hmm. It's not cynical and it's not hateful or, or languishing and shit. 
you know, it's not nihilistic. A lot of it is really uplifting. It is positive. You, you are trying to entertain people and make them laugh and have fun. Um, but it also shows the long progression of someone trying to improve their life and just be a better person. Yes, of In course. a non-pretentious way that is just theirs. Mm-hmm. And the humility, the ability to show that, and uh, and the ability to make it so goddamn fun is what makes this really special. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So more people need to hear this music. Where can... Are you playing live? Is, is Rolo getting... Uh, you know, I played, stuff? I played a show at the Nick, actually. Um I played a show at the Nick like a week ago or two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I played just an acoustic set and I played a few songs off the album, just like, uh, you know, when I'm downtown, Michelle, uh, some one, some songs I haven't recorded or anything since. Did you happen to record any of that? I haven't. No, um, I, I, I didn't have a ch- Yeah, I didn't have a chance to record any of that. But um, sorry, excuse me. Everybody record your friend's sets like you got a voice memo on your phone. It works great. Get it not too far from a speaker, not too close to a speaker, and not where people are going to be talking. Record your friend's sets. Get your whole show. You can put it on Google Drive. That's like the best gift you can give somebody is after they come off stage. Oh, I got all of that for forever. Here it is. Anyway, that's my public service announcement. Yeah. So, yes, you play these acoustic songs. Yeah, I just played like an acoustic set. It was like a 15-minute set. Uh, I opened up a show. I like sold a couple tapes, and uh, that was, it was pretty much it. I'm probably not going to have any shows um, – for for this project, I'm I'm gonna probably just keep it strictly. I mean, I, the thing is that I I guess I could do another acoustic show, but I'm more interested in just recording the new the new thing, mm-hmm. whatever I do next year. You don't want to do the greatest hits tour? I, I mean, maybe eventually. Maybe I would, in like I would love 20 to see it. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um. You know, I'm just focusing on other bands too. Playing a band called The Favors, which is really fun with a few friends. I still play in Rolo. Mm-hmm. I jammed with my drummer, you know, a while ago, and we made a couple new demos, you know. And uh, I'm currently rehearsing for a band to play at a wedding yeah. <laughs> this month. You know, try to make some money. You know, try to have some fun. It's good money. Play some cool songs. Yeah, make a cool time. I got a I got a couple of questions. Yeah, uh, please. That are formula questions, but if you have anything else to say about the music, what do you want the world to know? That if you are making music and you feel insecure about it or feel some sort of way about it, just remember to know that if you really, really like what you make and you work very hard at it, especially, and that's all that matters. Typically, that's you don't have to really worry about anyone else's opinion or try to get into some kind of thing. Like As long as you work hard on it and work as hard as you can and you, you have fun with it, and you really enjoy it. That's if you really enjoy it. That's all that matters. Case in point. Yeah. So, what's the strangest thing you've ever seen? Like just in general? Yeah, just in in life. What's the strangest thing you've ever experienced? The strangest thing I've ever experienced, man. I remember one time. This is really weird. This is true too. Yeah. Um, when I was in high school. No, I think I was like uh, I think it was like seventeen. I was working at Little Caesars. I was living with my mom, you know, smoking cigarettes in the backyard. And there was this girl. There was like this, I think she was like a teenager or something. And she was um, in the backyard, like in the woods, right? Like in your backyard? Yeah. I was like, I was was on my porch smoking a cigarette, you know, hanging out with my dog. And um, there's this girl and she was wearing like a red dress or some kind of like a reddish kind of dress. And she was just walking through the, the woods and like going left to right. And she was like really far back, but I could see her. 
And I didn't like say anything, but I was just kind of like, it just, I was like, what the hell is going on? Why is this girl in my backyard just like walking? And it seemed like she was just direct. She seemed like she knew where she was going. But, um, maybe I think she was on drug. I don't know what, what was wrong. She seemed like kind of young too. And I didn't, I didn't like want to question it because it was just so in, like, uh, you know, absurd, you know? Hmm. And that was really weird. <laughs> was I got a weird, weird feeling when you told me that. Yeah. It was, that was really weird. Oof. It was like, uh, like one or two o'clock. Huh. Isn't that weird? Yeah. I didn't understand what, what was her motive, but I think she was just, cause the thing is with the neighborhood is that, um, there's just a lot of woods in the back area that connects to everyone's backyard, you know, like an L pretty much. And, uh, she was just going through the woods and I, maybe she was looking for something, uh, making, looking for a dog or whatever. But from my perspective, it was really weird. Someone like a girl in a dress, just like just hanging like, out in my backyard. Do, 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 do. That's strange. Yeah. Huh. Have you ever seen anything that shouldn't exist? Yeah, it was really weird. I remember, I'll tell you another really strange thing that happened. I remember I was in New York, uh, visiting some friends and, um, I was in Manhattan and I was, me and my friends are just behind a shit ton of people. It's like, it's when you're in Manhattan, you can't walk your, the, you know, walk the distance that you want to because there's so many people in front of you. And me and my friends are just walking by and then this, this dude comes up to me and my friends and, uh, like puts his hand out. He's like, Hey, thank you all so much for not being racist. Shake my hand. And it was like this, this yeah, it was, it was this, this black dude and he just came up to me and he was like, Hey, thank you so much for not being racist, man. Um, shake, can you, can you shake my hand? And I was like, is this a trick? This yeah, feels like a trick. Yeah. That's the thing. I, I was just like, <laughs> I was like, you know, I was like, take care, man. You know, I, I didn't even shake his hand. I just, I was like, take care. And to be fair, cause that's not because you're racist. No, I'm not racist. No, it's but just, that's, it's that's just, a strange thing. That's, it feels I didn't like want a to trap. touch. Yeah. I didn't, I don't know this person. You yeah. Know? It's just, I can't like, uh, <laughs> isn't that so bizarre? That like happened to me. I couldn't, I couldn't stop thinking about it. Like after yeah. it happened, I was like, well, that's just so weird. Like people are weird, man. Who knows what he meant? Yeah. It's like really <laughs> just very strong. Of course, anybody in New York is like, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. I don't, I don't know. Like have their perspective. I, you know, just from Alabama. Yeah. My last question is, what kind of music are you most excited about? Because we don't have this big monoculture where like, oh, the next thing is going to be disco or whatever. Mm-hmm. What do you think? I don't really listen to a lot of new music, mm-hmm. uh, surprisingly enough. Like, I don't really, like, sometimes I'll go on YouTube and I'll, like, listen to, like, some underground rock kind of artist. I don't really know. It doesn't have to be new. Uh, yeah. Just because part of what is new is the fact that you can go online and find, you know, obscure Japanese bands that you really love. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, I, and I've I've gone through my phase last year with that. Mm-hmm. I've um, so many Japanese, underground Japanese artists because, you know, there, there are so many, ama- so much amazing music that's just unheard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Harry Hosono is definitely a huge influence for me. Um, the past year, yeah, I loved, I loved his music. Uh, I was jealous of my friends in New York saw him. He's one of my biggest influences. His uh, sense, the way he um, puts a sense of humor in his music, and he's really clever about it. It's just so unique. You know, I really admire that. I, I strive to be. I mean, I, I just love that aesthetic. And uh, trying to think here, you know, residents. We talked about residents earlier. Yeah, let's let's touch on that before we. Because yeah. I don't think we were recording at that point. I hear they're still making music. I heard they got a new album out or something. Yeah. 
Yeah, um, they put a, a they published a novel last year called The Brick Eaters. No way. Yeah, I'm gonna pick it, that up. It's like a weird, like a like a detective, like a pulp novel. That's um, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, man the 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 residents like have changed into something that is acceptable, and they found a way to break their own shit. They yeah. they are so. I mean, I know they're. They're really fun and obscure and very weird and head scratching and just. But there's a, there's some songs that really get to me and some music videos they did for them like you know like I was listening to uh, Perfect Love um, mm-hmm. in the gym the other day and I was just listening to that song and the lyrics are just it's a literally a minute a minute and twenty twenty seconds like such a short song but the yeah. lyrics were so cool it's like the song is called Perfect Love and the lyrics were like there's something I must tell you there's something I must say. The only really perfect love is one that is one that gets away. One that gets away. Yeah, yeah. I love that. You know, it's very weird. And that's the whole song. That's the whole, whole context thing. of the song. That that's from the commercial album, which came out in 1980. And I know you know this. Yeah, that's why I look turn away to the audience. <laughs> um, and they decided to make a top, their own top 40 pop album, and they were going to do it by making 40 one minute songs that could be played three times around and you get a full pop song. They took all of the redundancy out of it. You get verse, chorus, and, you know, bridge, intro, whatever. You get all these little pieces, but they're all these self-contained ideas that usually are only four or five lines all considered. You listen to all 40 of them. And I've heard a lot of people that don't really like the album as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like high concept, musical qualities, middle, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. It's not, there's a lot of... Some are incredible and some are just kind of subpar. But the yeah. way they're recorded is still interesting, regardless. Yeah. You know. There's a band called the 180Gs, and they're an acapella group that do cover versions of famous obscure albums. They did a Negative Land album cover. Oh, wow. Uh, That's and cool. it's just all vocals yeah. uh, processed and treated in all these different ways. But they did the commercial album. Mm-hmm. It's, so, it's the edifice that the residents have just yeah. thrown into doo-wop cover it's really weird to think about, you know, it's a, it's definitely an acquired taste. You know, a lot of people probably don't understand or wouldn't like it, you know. Yeah. It's just kind of like that side of music that's kind of just interesting and weird and, you know, I guess can be considered bad in some regard or whatever. Yeah, you some know, of some music. of it's not good. Yeah, some of it's not good. The, the thing is a lot of uh a lot of music that I really like is music that I have to work for. Yeah. You know, I love that. I love artists that I have to really work to find the good stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, Residence is definitely one of those bands where I have to really work to find the stuff that I really like. Also, uh, Sun City Girls mm-hmm. is another band that I, there's there's so much shit that they put out. But a lot of it is incredible, you know, or like yeah. really creative. And some things that I just have never heard before. Frank Zappa, especially. He's, yeah. you know, he's definitely the one who really makes you work to try to find the good stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah. And cause he, he does so many things and there are so many approaches that he took, you know, I don't, I don't like a lot of the eighties, you know, titties and beer. Yeah. I don't either. It, it's just kind of Joe's garage is like, all right, I guess it's kind of, it's just, uh, it's just kind of boring. Yeah. It's kind of like, I don't really care about the, it's not that funny. It's just toilet humor, you know? Yeah, it's like look, because uh, it, it that is a it is a strange thing that you have to see in context of the time because the eighties were so fucking repressive yes. and uh, and flat and bland that you can see someone like him that has been doing it for so long just kind of go 
fuck you, we're going to sing a song, Bobby Brown goes down, you know, broken hearts are for assholes. It's yeah. Like, you know, those are kind of cringy. They, they have not aged well no. at all. So... Know? Mothers of Invention have, have aged extremely well. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like God I, I, I listen to Uncle Meat all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and, and some of the solo stuff too. Like I love Montana. Yeah. I love that. I love Montana. I love, um, there's a lot. Of, I mean, he's, there's a handful of them, but Mothers of Invention is especially Freak Out, Whirling It for the Money, Uncle Meat. Those trilogy of albums. Yeah. Um, is, so, um, I, I love those albums. I mean, they're incredible. Yeah. You know, I mean, but all of the stuff, you know, they're feats, they're feats of like, I constantly can't believe that that one person organized so much. And they try to kick him out as, uh, supposedly too. You know, I read a the Frank Zappa book. Have you read that? It's like, it's called the official Frank Zappa book. He decided mm-hmm. to write his own book because everyone kept on writing bullshit biographies about him. He's like, all right, yeah. I'm going to write a book about me. And this is what really happened. Yeah. And then you don't even, I didn't even know that. Yeah. It's like, where did he fit that in? Yeah. But yeah, he just said that after freak out, um, got big that the rest of the band tried to kick him out or something. Or I don't know. That's like what I read. How, how does that, how did drugs? I think, I don't know. Huh. Weird. Huh. Yeah, um, I think the the singer of the cruising, um, Ruben cruising with the Jets. Remember yeah. that that doo wop band? Yeah, that's I'm a huge fan of yeah. that. I mean, I love his doo wop stuff. Like he makes doo wop so cool. You know? Yeah, I and it's to, not that different. Yeah, from the other stuff, it's yeah. just the perspective of it. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember <laughs> the lead singer of that of that group just kind of went crazy or something happened with him. I don't really remember, but uh, but he's the one who held it all together, paid him. Yeah. yeah. It was a business. All of his friends are people that worked for him. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's just amazing how much you, you can accomplish. It's definitely really inspiring. He, I love his aesthetic when it comes to a lot of things. I like his aesthetic of... Uh, he's got a really cynical viewpoint on life. That's something that there's no question about mm-hmm. when it comes to people being bad and you shouldn't trust anyone and that, um, you know, you should, you shouldn't, you shouldn't, I love, I remember I saw this one thing where he was talking about, <clears throat> he was like, people are bad. Don't expect a good life. Don't expect friends. Don't expect anything. And if you get something, you get a bonus, but don't expect anything. Don't have these expectations of things. Cause if you do, it will ruin your life kind of thing. That that just seems practical to me. Yeah, that doesn't that maybe I'm maybe that's because I'm super cynical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying here. Yeah. You know, who the hell are you? What do you know? You don't get anything because you should. Exactly. And it's the fact that people do and then think that's the way it is. Yeah, is that when they get something, when you get something and it is a bonus and you see it as I deserve that, or I had this coming and if I didn't get it then I would be upset. That's what. It's a hard thing for people to learn. God. It's really hard. Especially in like later in like after they're adolescent. Yeah. Yeah. And that whole idea of people are bad. People are bad. People are extremely bad. Yeah. I mean, I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, I definitely see, I don't know, this is going to sound dumb. I want to get your perspective on this. Like people see, people have this kind of black and white. People say there's like a black and white viewpoint with life. Like you can either see life, you know as as horrible and dark the darkness that it is or you can see the light and it. it's like there's just two perspectives kind of thing but it's just really it's you should just really have a mix of both be aware of of you know the bad things in life and i don't know every, everyone has the capability of being bad 
and people learn from it or people don't. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's the, uh, it's the capability that everybody, you know, like you said, has. It's a responsibility. Right. You know, people who are really good at torture are that way because they know how to hurt. Mm-hmm. Because they have those same vulnerabilities. Yeah. Everything that is physical that can be exploited by someone who is sadistic is inherent to them as well. Now, I've said it a bunch before. It's like the dividing line between good and evil is right down the middle of everybody, of every heart. That's not my quote. That's young, I think. But if And it, the danger is when people think that they're incapable of evil because they're just nice. Yeah. They're not good because they've never been in a place that required them to to go through anything that might send them into the heart of darkness, but it's there. I remember reading an article a couple of weeks ago of this like couple who refused to believe that humanity was evil or had, or was capable of being evil. And like they traveled to some um, village and unknown region of the world yep. and got killed. <laughs> yep. Cause they obviously had never met anybody that wanted to hurt them just because they wanted to hurt someone. Yeah. I guess people have this general perspective of people 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 are generally good, which is not the case at yeah. all. Well, yeah, it's like it's never been proven the contrary to them. I mean, good for them so far, but when it comes down to that, like you don't have to be attacked by someone malevolent in public to learn that the world is capable or the people are capable of evil. You just have to fucking pay attention to anything that happened in the 20th century yeah. and not be illusioned about it. You know, it's a travesty that we don't learn about the Soviet Union in school. Oh yeah, all. history is so crucial to to knowing about the mistakes of hum- humanity, of course, and it, it's just something that we disregard all the time. Yeah, and it's not something that we take seriously. Yeah, There's a lot of the same mistakes are happening all the time. You know, it, it's not so much the I'm going to be super clever. It's not that we're doomed to repeat the mistakes of history. It, it's that we're doomed to embody them. Yeah, if we don't learn from them. We're doomed to be the things that carry those things out, and we're seeing that now again. Yeah, there's a huge like. Uh, I don't want to get into politics, but it's it's definitely in, uh, amusing. It's definitely super entertaining. In a in a horrifying, very Lovecraft laughing at the void kind of entertaining. Yeah, politics used to be so boring like ten years ago. Now it's like, oh my god, god it's like it's just people are dying to hear the next thing. You know? Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. Well, (laughs) let's not get into that. The hack has gone too deep. Exactly. It's gone too deep. Yeah, which is why I feel like this is the best way I could be spending my time talking openly and sharing an experience and actually sitting down. This is this is this is great for me because doing this consistently again, every couple of, you know, every week I get to sit down with somebody and just talk to them. Yeah, I get to learn about all my friends. Yeah. I mean, I, I really, uh, I really admire the process too, that in which you, you, uh, you make this, you know, you make this, uh, very amazing entertainment, you know, you have, uh, you it's very creative and it's, uh, the whole structure of it is, is just really creative. It's a very original, I would say very original. Thank you. I'm going to put all those words on, uh, on a, on a t-shirt. I'm so glad you could be a part. Please keep me updated on all the stuff you're doing. Mm-hmm. I would love to advertise for stuff that's coming out uh, absolutely um when the favors get the ep ready i want to play songs from that and you every time you put stuff up on Bandcamp, i get the uh, i got to resubscribe to the tony hernandez Bandcamp because i was just on the uh, rollo before yeah 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 that's a big one go buy an album from somebody on uh, one of your friends on Bandcamp, 
And when you when you do that, subscribe to their mailing list so that every time they put something up, you'll just get an email that says, hey, this is a new release from these people. Um, it's a great way to keep up with what's going on. Go add all of your friends on whatever streaming service you have. Put it on mute when you go to sleep. <laughs> Give them the downloads. Oh, yeah. Put all, the, all your friends on a huge playlist. Because I don't think it'll count if you just listen to the album over and over again. I think they've caught on to that. Really? So you can't just hack your own. So, so it's on. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, so it's it's on Napster, right? Yes. Yeah, the album. Yeah. When I saw it was on Spotify, I figured it would be on Napster too. Yeah. Enjoy your point zero zero five cents for the next year and a half. <laughs> Everybody else do that so we can buy this man a cup of coffee. Um, go buy the tape on Bandcamp. Mm-hmm. Go see him live. Go do... God damn it. Get out of here. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. This episode, like several others before it, called for a ritual of some kind. That's a self-imposed constraint, but it shows up and I have to respect it because that's what I committed to. Now, on our returning episode with Little White Bitch, I did perform a ritual oriented around releasing self-imposed burdens and things that are holding you back. It was during the creation of that and the ensuing process of overthinking everything, which is very common here, that I felt the all-too-familiar pang of self-consciousness about it that perhaps what I was doing was in bad faith or just naive faith, that perhaps my attempts to be involved in some kind of practice which I truly want and comes from inside started externally as an attempt to move inward. To make this make more sense, this is a common theme in my life up to this point. I'll impose something from the outside onto myself as some flimsy, amateurish, super-ego attempt to guide myself in a direction but this really ought to come from a grounded place of self-understanding, self-empathy, and just care for myself. It often comes instead from a place of trying to wrestle with myself in a way that doesn't necessarily work for me. It doesn't accommodate or start from that place of, here's where I am, here's where I want to go, and here's what I need to do to get there, follow these steps. I can move to start and work through and complete projects okay, and I can create some change in my life and get better and learn things, but. These changes are sometimes temporary and sometimes a lot harder than they should be, and sometimes they cause more harm and flailing and beating myself up than perhaps the good that they might do. All this to say, I'm conflicted. The several episodes before this called for rituals and didn't contain them because I felt like a fraud for performing such things without having a good base for that. The creation of them comes from a genuine place, but without the regular self-centering practice of yoga or something some sort of return to center, I feel that I'm just making random leaps into places almost unrelated to my actual life for a show. I don't want to do that. I hope to rectify this on my personal life away from the podcast. So, and what is emerging as the theme of this episode, self-development, acceptance, whatever, I wish to make a brief aside and talk about Peter Cottontail. My dear love, the Oversecretary of the Earth Hotel, Juliana, carries this book around in her bag full of art supplies to remind her of a few morals and values that are important to her. One of these pages depicts a scene in which Peter has 
given up hope of running from danger. He's in a field by some corn and he throws himself down on the ground and begins to weep because he's going to be caught by the farmer and killed, of course. And a number of sparrows fly down and accost him saying, Peter, exert yourself. This is the only solution. But it goes deeper than working harder or trying to get more accomplished or do more. What comes as part of that process is learning where my faults show themselves, where the weaknesses are, the cracks, what stops me, what makes me throw myself on the ground and weep and give up. Instead of being so overwhelmed by that, actually paying attention to what it is. And as you probably very well know, this is a very delicate operation and a sticky situation to be in. It's the human situation. I don't think it's just me. Once you've eaten the fruit from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you can never go back to the paradise where you knew nothing of yourself. You must go forward and work, and that is the true curse of humanity, that's the burden of self-awareness. Perhaps the first moment when humanity realized this was when one turned his back on a malevolent other who took their opportunity. Or perhaps when the first cultivated fire grew out of control, and the proto-man responsible was left standing in sheer horror before a grassland engulfed in hot death, making the connection. If you've seen a burning house, you know how deep that terror goes. It's a scary thing, beyond any kind of calculating modern development we have. And the human feature of guilt and responsibility is traceable back very far into proto-time, so much that dogs exhibit it instinctually, having had millions of years with us to learn it from us. We can't help but know our limitations and the consequences of our actions or inactions. But we have so many mechanisms and methods to try and push those thoughts away. They never work completely. So, instead of wasting our time and flailing at God, we have to face upwards, forwards, steal ourselves, and walk. We push uphill, and that is our fate, to bear the burden of being us. During a down moment of the interview, I found myself apologizing for stating what I thought of Tony's music. More for stating what he was doing or thinking without having any way of knowing that. I cut it from the interview because, at the time, it's not incredibly interesting. I'm not sure this is incredibly interesting to someone else, but uh, it didn't make for a great interview, it kind of got us off track, and it, it was kind of during a lull. But I make these kind of assumptions often. I, I was stating, you know, I, I see you doing this, or I, you know, well, you, of course you don't think that, or things like that. And I make these assumptions, and the last year has seen my skill in communicating with people tested by errors like this. Often, instead of being able to respond honestly in opportunities that I have to do so, I'll get caught up in a dozen interesting implications of what I'm thinking or panic about, you know, someone else's opinion or what they could possibly be thinking of me so that nothing actually comes out properly. And I get easily embarrassed. It, it takes five seconds for me to actually start a conversation, half a second for me to realize that immediately I'm thinking too many things or, you know, maybe not directing my attention well or maybe I'm judging myself for that and then a fraction of a second for all of it to go wrong. Instead of asking questions and finding out more about whom I'm speaking, I'm too busy doing all that, considering what I'm saying and how it might apply to them and what conclusions I may draw that could be interesting and all of this, and I'm not just being with them. And in a conversation, and especially an interview that's being recorded, this makes the whole connecting and learning aspect kind of difficult. I find myself overemphasizing what I assume is meaningful to people without staying open and just learning as I go, just talking and enjoying, and leaving room to express myself secondarily to responding to them in a way that helps the conversation move in interesting directions and have life of its own. 
This is something that I'm trying to work on and improve so I can have a connection with people. And when asking for advice or criticism from people whose opinions I respect, I've heard back that often in social situations I don't slow down and allow myself to be for people to come to me and for me to exist somewhere, flitting around making myself rather scarce away from groups of my friends or people that I would like to talk to or should be talking to because I'm too concerned with my ongoing struggle of having conversations and I think this might be a very common thing. It's a cyclical process, but I try to turn it slightly and spiral out instead of in. I've been trying to pay more attention to how I feel, the sounds, the sensations of being where I am instead of my thoughts, and this ultimately has helped a lot. The reason I'm saying this is I'm making a concerted effort to change some of these aspects which are making my life more difficult, and part of my plan is to engage myself in a consistent ritual in my day which can return me to that center, which can maybe carve out that center away from distractions, away from my own thinking about things, getting overwhelmed, and give myself the permission of feeling worthy to perform such rituals for you on the podcast without considering myself a hack fraud. Until then, I'm making note of when they are called for by the rubric so I don't just skip them and forget them, and I am making a list of what I will do when I'm properly equipped. This has been all for this edition of the Operator's Corner, with a K, because why not? There's a lot more we can do to better our communication and relationships for ourselves and each other. So let's go from here.
next thing you hear is the humble pleasure of this operator and everyone here at In Lobby Sounds to present. We're going to give you a sneak peek of the latest shiverings from the Dizzy. And you can hear much more like this in the future and during a very special live performance at the In Lobby Sounds grand opening on the 14th. But this is a secret demo from the Dizzy. It's an estimate of the new music from the dying summer of year 74. This is just a demo of things that emerged out of the odd space that we found ourselves in, the space beyond the dead, where the Dizzy lay for just a short amount of time. Not dead, but not alive. We've returned. After that, we're going to close the show with more music, the first track being a live rendition of the opener piece of my new album, Jackie Cotillard Sings the Songs from Hypnocracy, a spooky tune played here on prepared piano called Evocation, Comment Commence. The piano and recording space was a blessed house in Atlanta known as the Magic Lantern, which we'll be talking about more in the future. That album is being currently recorded, mixed, and figured the fuck out, so we will be releasing that as soon as it's done and given proper legs because it's been so long. God, it's been so long trying to get this thing done, and I'm, I'm glad I've never put it out because it was not good several years ago when I originally planned to put it out. I made a trailer. God. So this is not another promise of things to come that never do. We're just making sure we're getting it really correct. Some of the songs have had been completely scrapped and, and re-recorded, and you know some things just don't work. So I'm trying to find the right way to give you these songs so that I don't find myself hating them and then never want to play them for you again. Because the way these are going to be laid down, the way I'm going to play them for a little while, and then move into new stuff. All the while you're hearing new music from me, we've got the Earth Hotel Music Volume 1 collection coming out, which is made up of pieces that I took from the first two and a half seasons of the Earth Hotel. I took the music out that I made specifically for the show, you know, remixed it, remastered it, and then developed some of it. Took some that was really plain or just small pieces and developed them into full tracks, full songs, music that you can actually enjoy. So it's less a collection of sounds and odd things that you heard on the podcast and more an exploration into the actual music, things that have been under the invocations, incidental music that I've made under speaking parts that you go, oh, that's nice. That's really interesting. I wish I could hear that. Well, now you can in full quality and full volume so that it sounds really nice. So that's coming out basically as soon as I finish that. There's no fanfare, no uh, no press behind it, but I want to do press for my Hypnocracy album, so I'll keep you posted on that. But you're going to hear the live interpretation of the opener, the spooky Greek-style chorus song, Evocation. It's comment, commence, but those are both also French words. I had a great privilege of playing on the owner of the Magic Lantern's piano, Majida Rehm, who's coming uh, in October. We're still setting that date up, but he's coming to Birmingham in October to play a date. Uh, the piano had all kinds of screws and alteration, you know, screws put into the strings and, you know, all kinds of objects in the strings. You place it on there and you get a different sound. So I was at a great, awesome, I showed up and I couldn't believe you had a prepared piano because you essentially ruin the piano sound. You can't play it like a normal piano. So if it's prepared, then it's kind of there. So we had just the spare space and a piano to do it. It's a sound experiment. It's the least song of all the songs on the album. So you'll hear the evocation. And finally, to take us out into the night, is a guided musical experience called Through the Obstacle. I was called again to close the show with a guided experience, and this has been curated by myself and the in-house band to set a musical carriage of sorts to glide you into the darkness on the wings of the unseen. It's a, it's a demonstration, so if you want to think of something that you're struggling with, we have made this track with that in mind of listen to this, imagine you're going through the obstacle. Take yourself in that place through the obstacle with this music. We sincerely hope you enjoyed the sounds and sights from the Earth Hotel. 
the dream layer which we have found in the modern age, and have founded as a common practice in our propaganda for us all. May each and every god be with us and you. Good night. Thank you.
inflatable. Thank you. 